It's the TEH Podcast, episode 108. I'm Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. Apparently a very warm Gary Rosenzweig this afternoon. Yeah, yeah, boy, this summer just doesn't let up and uh, having EC problems. So, so yeah, that's, but that's, that's okay. It will take my mind off of it. <laughs> we, we hope. We hope. So what you got for us this week, Gary? What are we starting off with? Well, okay. So, you know, when you buy a new computer, you agonize over the details, right? Which model do I get? How much memory do I go for the graphics card upgrade? You know, what storage drive and all that. And then you go back and forth and eventually you decide and you hope you made the right choice. Well, the other end of that is going back years and years and years later and giving yourself a report card and saying, okay, this machine has reached its end of life. I made these decisions back then. Does it, uh, did it you know, work out? And that's where I'm at right now with my, my Mac Pro, okay. which I bought in January 2015. It's called the 2013 Mac Pro, right. but I bought it in January 2015. And um, I have decided it's time to move on. And I ordered a new Mac Pro, the new model um, that's out. So you're and, going from the can to the box. Yes, exactly. From, to the cheese grater. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so it's five and a half years. And I decided to look back and see, because I know I did you know, think about every little thing in that Mac Pro. It was $4,419 when I bought it. Yikes. And I have to say, the purchase decision gets an A++++ <laughs> because it really worked out well. First of all, not a single bit of trouble with the machine for five and a half years, nothing. Okay. You know, it's and it the only time it was ever shut down for more than a minute was when I moved. Right. <laughs> you know, um, besides that, it's probably only been restarted a few hundred times over those years. All, all, almost all the time due to software that was like, to finish your install, please restart. Right. Uh, okay. So it's basically been on, been running for five and a half years, uh, and it's been a workhorse it's been great i um there was a an enhanced graphics card that that apple came out after the original model came out and that's the graphics card that came with mine and that's been good um i went with the minimum memory mm-hmm. 32 gigs of memory thinking right. that i would and really i've never run into a situation where it's like oh darn i need more memory um the hard drive i definitely have hit the ceiling with that Uh, a one terabyte SSD. So that's the one terabyte drive, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but that's okay. It hasn't been a big deal. It just means I archive things off to another drive a little bit earlier than I may really want to. Sure. Um, And, uh, but it's been, it's been great and it's been a great machine. And of course that leaves you with the dilemma of like, okay, so it's, you know, in a few days it's going to be moved over to the side, shut off and it's a great machine. I probably should, either resell it or find a good use for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll see. I'll, uh, I'll wait until I forget the new one, which right. will arrive, uh, should arrive t- tomorrow, actually. It was er- a week early. Uh, they said shipping, you know, two weeks to get it. Uh, you know, custom. I customized everything. Of course. And uh, so they said two weeks, and now it's been four days, and they're like, <laughs> it's going to be here tomorrow. I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, uh, over deliver, I guess, and sure. on the promise. So that'll be exciting. Uh, it's definitely going to be, you know, going from six cores on my current uh, to to twelve cores. Right. Going from you know doubling the size of the drive. Uh, I'm going to forty eight gigs of memory, just okay. because that was a small upgrade. You know, the default's sure. thirty two, and it was three hundred bucks to go. You know, fifty percent right. more. So I was like, right. yeah, you know, okay, I'll do that. And then they have an interesting graphics card, uh, you know, option now because there's the standard card that comes with the default machine that's pretty underpowered. And then for two thousand dollars more, you can get like the Sony or not the Sony. It's uh, the AMD Vega or whatever it is. It's like really high power graphics card. And they were your main choices, but they came out with this uh, this nice middle ground um, recently, a few months ago. So I'm going to get that. And, uh, and yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty, should be pretty good now twice the price, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
so yeah, that kind of stings. But um, but and and of course, other people would say, "Oh, I'm crazy to get one now, right? Get, wait for the ARM processor. Right, wait for the processor change. Yeah. Yep. I don't think that's going to work out because Apple says we'll have everything upgraded by 2022. So I'm thinking the Mac Pro goes last because they got to figure something out, right? Because right sure. now the Mac Pros, they're unique and they have Xeon processors. The only Macs with Xeon processors. Mm -hmm. The old one also Xeon processor. So they go Xeon processor and real graphics card. Even the iMac Pros, they have like an i7 or i9 or something in them. So how do they replicate that when they're coming out with, you know, Max that have ARM chips in it. There is no like here's the ARM something else. It's you know it'll be the R you know the A14 chip or whatever. They could certainly come out with a higher powered one. Maybe they could figure a way to put like three or four of those chips in a Mac Pro or something. Sure. But I just don't know exactly what they're going to do. Right. So I'd be surprised if it was not the very last Mac to get some sort of upgrade, which puts it in 2022. Now. Big Sur is coming out this year. Next year will be Mac OS 2021, you know, Death Valley or whatever they call it. <laughs> and the question is, will my 2013 model get that upgrade? Right. Um, because if, if so, I mean, right now it's the only 2013 Mac really getting Big Sur, right? Which makes sense. It's the pro model. But will it get the 2021 OS that's doubtful. That would be like, you know, it'd be like 2016 and 2015 max and this old 2013 model gets it. Right. So that being the case, I'd be stuck because I got to make tutorials. How do I make a tutorial using Mac OS Death Valley or whatever? Right. If I can't upgrade my the machine, I make tutorials on. So that means that I'd then be stuck upgrading to a Mac Pro and it would be even closer to the time when an ARM Mac Pro came out. So it seemed like this is the good time to do it. Uh, do it now, basically, because it looks like I'm going to have to do it at some point. And the sooner I do it, the more years I will get from it before I upgrade to the next one. I would like to compliment you on your rationalization. I think that... <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, everything you're, you're saying makes a tremendous amount of sense. Yeah. It's now's the time and get the use out of it. Well, you know, sure. it's, going to make, it's going to make a big difference, you know, like the day after tomorrow, right? You're going to spend a day or two setting it up and then right away it's going to make yeah. a difference in your workflow. So that's, that's pretty cool. Well, I see the, I, you know, now it takes me 20 minutes to render uh, my highest resolution video when I'm done a tutorial of, that's about 10 minutes long. Right. And a lot of that's because I'm now doing green screen. That takes processor time. Right. I have a flowing 4K background behind the green screen. That's <laughs> processor time. So it, it really is pushing all the cores. Sure. I could see it. I could look at Activity Monitor on my Mac. And I could see all the cores going full tilt and suddenly going to this much faster Xeon processor with 12 cores and a great graphics card that's elite. Well, the graphics card itself is 16 gigs of RAM. Right. Whereas the current one I've got is, I believe, six. So it's interesting because, um, so are you using, are we actually using the Mac Pro right now? Yes. You're, you're, okay. Mm -hmm. So we are, in fact, talking Mac Pro to Mac Pro because that's what I'm running here in, wow. my, um, um, in my little, that's, it was my studio, but I'm doing more stuff in my office anyway. It's where I've got the Mac Pro. Yeah. Um, and I suspect it's, well, certainly the same vintage of, mm -hmm. you know, within a year or two, it is the, the late 2013 model um, yep. of, of the same thing. Now, I actually went uh, with all 12 cores to begin with. So I've got a 12, okay. a 12 core version. Um, I got it with 32 um, gig of RAM and I mm -hmm. did upgrade it to uh, 64. I also believe that I got it with only a half a terabyte of disk space, but that I upgraded that. Um, that kind of log is, is a little lost in the memory here. Mm -hmm. um, so I've got the same thing, terabyte. What I did is I got the, uh, the external uh, Thunderbolt uh, hard disk that um, actually it was Kay that recommended it at the time. He was using it on his machine. And that has served, you know, that served me really, really well for uh, truly massive storage of whatever I'm, I happen to be working on. 
Um, but this machine, the, the reason it's not my primary machine anymore sounds like pretty much the same discussion that you're having is that you know, I was doing videos, I was rendering videos, and they were taking forever, even with all 12 cores going at once, which is always funny because they count the hyper-threading cores as a separate core, even though it's not really. So you fire a process monitor or whatever, and all of a sudden you've got 24 bar graphs going at the same time. Um, so I basically had the same thing. And on top of that, I, unlike you, I suspect, uh, I run virtual machines all the time. So um, on my desktop downstairs, and certainly on my machine here when I was using it for this, um, I would always have a Windows 10 uh, virtual machine in the background, which was you know eating up its own chunk of resources from this machine. It's been a fine machine. You're, like you, I've had no problems with it. I do not regret the purchase decision one bit. Um, it, was, it was a very, very good machine. It continues to be a good machine for a variety of things for me. So I'm pretty happy with it. But yeah, it sounds like I went down the same path you did in terms of, you know, it's time to get a new machine. Of course, I you know, went, to the, uh, went back to the PC world just because that's where I spend more of my time. But yeah, uh, but yeah no, it sounds like a really good decision. Well, I could always make uh, the, old, the old one a PC, you know, just uh, install a Windows. It'll still it. run boot camp, yep. Yeah, it'll run yep. boot camp. And the new one will run boot camp too. Uh, which actually could give it, like, if it has a shortened life, like if Apple comes out with an ARM Mac Pro, oh, right. say three or four years from now, and I go to that, um, then I could actually, it will still be looking pretty good in three That's or good. four it's years. It's a decent piece of hardware, yeah. I yeah. could you turn it into a gaming machine. So um, <laughs> it, it is interesting, though, you know, one of the main features of the new Mac Pros is something I'm not getting. It's the Afterburner card. Um, and I suspect a majority of people they get the mac pro get the afterburner card it's it's two thousand dollars it's not cheap um and it does one thing and one thing only it processes apple pro res video <laughs> which is you know kind of like the equivalent not not really but kind of like the equivalent to raw for you know video okay. if you're making real tv for broadcast making right. real films or even if you're you know you want to be the highest end vlogger on youtube <laughs> um you're shooting apple pro res you don't want to give your apple pro res to youtube because you know that they're crunching you know they're compressing the well out of whatever. no but I, I tell you that I'm, I'm sure that some of those top bloggers are doing it um and so, you know, you pay, pay this $2,000 and it just is a special card for processing right. Apple ProRes. I'm not doing Apple ProRes because uh, mainly, uh, you know, my, my videos are tutorial stuff. It's right. screen yep, that's important, not me. And most of the time, I'm really tiny and in the corner. So Apple ProRes isn't really going to do much for me. Plus, if I did Apple ProRes, I mean, I'd need a lot, a lot more hard drives <laughs> to be doing 10 minutes a day, you know, posting right. In Apple ProRes, that would be like, I mean, you think about it, that would be like a movie every two weeks, you know, and actually, actually no more than that. It would be like a movie every week in footage, uh, even though, you know, I'm not using all of it. Right, right. So, right. yeah, I'm not going there. But the way, reason I say that most people, I think, getting the new Mac Pros uh, are actually getting it and are in the film and TV business is if you look at Apple refurbished uh, products. You know, mm -hmm. They have their special refurb site. Um, you can kind of get a glimpse as to what Apple's selling because you can figure, well, you know, this is, if you look day after day and see what's coming up, this is like a little sample of what Apple sold and for one reason or another is now on the refurb site. And almost all of them have afterburner cards. Interesting. Yeah, which surprised me and kind of ruled out me getting a refurbished uh, Mac Pro because it was like, you know, nine out of 10 at Afterburner cards, and I wasn't going to pay an extra two grand for that. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that does tell me that, yeah, the main use for the Mac Pros are people doing, you know, the real deal film and video stuff. And, and there's, you know, there's a huge commercial space, you know, people producing top-end video for things that are business-oriented that we never see, right? Right. You know, their business use and special sure, use sure, and all this. Sure. So, and there's just all these video studios out there, and they purchase these Mac Pros with afterburner cards, make their lives easier because it's probably a lot faster. And, uh, and then some of those, a small percentage, end up on the refurb site. And Probably uh, because they've upgraded to the newer Mac Pros and 
traded in or well, done whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, or just all sorts of things. I mean, there's all because yeah. you have a, a you know, you, you can get one and say, oh, we should have doubled the memory in that. Or we, we ordered 10 because our studio were ramping up and then it turned out we only hired eight video pro, <laughs> you know, video guys. So we sent two of the machines back, you know, right. that kind of thing. Um, so there's a lot of reasons why these, these high end machines find their way back to the refurbished uh, store. Um, but yeah, so this, this time though, I'm, I'm buying the real thing, uh, ordered from Apple and, uh, you know, ordered like from the site, you know, brand new, right, right. all the, all the yeah. things I needed and all that stuff. So anyway, that's always, that's always fun to do. It's funny. You're, you're, um, uh, when you were starting out, just sort of extolling the virtues of the computer you bought five years ago. And I'm absolutely, I mean, like I said, I'm in the same boat, the, the Mac pro that I got, however many years ago it was now. Um, was it has been a, a really great machine, but it actually got me thinking back to the machine I bought, I think 10 or 12 years ago, uh, which um, is still running. It is down in my basement. It is a glorified file server. Um, at the time, it was very exciting because it had a, uh, a quad core processor in it. And uh, uh, that machine has just been, same thing, working for the last 12 years. It's been doing stuff. It was originally a desktop machine. Um, it's probably been through, it's a PC. So I had a little bit more opportunity in terms of upgrades. And, uh, you know, it's had uh, its memory expanded to its max, which is probably what finally kicked it out of the, the potential rotation for, you know, continued real work. I think it maxed out at eight gigabytes of RAM. Uh, but it's had, you know, hard disks upgraded and the RAM maxed out and the video card mm -hmm. replaced possibly twice uh, just because I, you know, wanted to play World of Warcraft a little better or something like that. <laughs> and, um, and now, like I said, the, the, latest ex the, the latest upgrade for that machine, which again goes back a couple of years, is I installed a, uh, a USB 3 expansion card because, of course, it didn't have USB 3. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's got like six or eight external hard drives attached to it because it just sort of sits on my local network as, you know, the moral equivalent of a slow NAS. And um, it just keeps chunking away. It's running Ubuntu Linux right now. <laughs> you know, yes, yeah. it's, 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 it, that too was a great purchase. And in fact, so that machine came from um, a local manufacturer here, Puget Systems, although they do sell and ship nationally. Uh, they've got a pretty good reputation. Uh, but that machine is actually the reason when I started looking for a new PC uh, at the end of last year, I went back to Puget Systems. And that's what I ended up getting for my replacement desktop that I think I've talked about here a time or two before. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. What's interesting, though, and it's it's actually almost serendipity because your comment made me think of uh, the upgrades that are currently in process for my newest machine. Uh, it came with, uh, let's see, I think it too has 64 gigabytes of RAM in it. Um, it has headspace for up to 128, so I've got room to grow there. Uh, but it has uh, only, only... Uh, a one terabyte SSD in it. Yeah. And then I've got a, a six terabyte uh, a USB 3 drive attached to it. I decided um, uh, that it was time to upgrade the disk storage on that machine, uh, mostly because I've got the three terabyte plan with Dropbox. <laughs> and, and it dawned on me that uh, while I do have the entire Dropbox mirrored here on the Mac, um, I don't on the PC, and I probably should because that's where I'm using it all the time. So I actually need to have some room to be able to handle my full Dropbox if necessary. So uh, I have ordered, and actually should be arriving here on Friday, um, a, um, um, an 8-terabyte internal drive uh, for like 150 bucks. It's crazy. Absolutely oh, yeah. crazy the amount of space you can get for that. Uh, and that's a traditional hard drive. That's, you know, you don't get uh, uh, SSDs over two terabytes right now, which was my second purchase. I actually purchased a two terabyte SSD. It's in the M.2 form factor, which was yes. kind of new to me. Uh, but as it turns out, my machine has slots for three of those. And of course, only one of those is occupied right now. So uh, I'll be adding uh, the two terabyte SSD uh, for fun. And then the eight terabyte internal uh, traditional hard drive for things like Dropbox. And we'll see if I end up moving any of my other cloud storage providers over there. And then the six terabyte external drive 
Um, I'll, I'll see. I'll see what I'm going to use that for. Uh, it, it certainly will be interesting to see what the speed difference will be between a true internal hard drive and the one across on a USB 3. Um, USB 3 is plenty fast. It really is. Uh, it, it is. Actually, I, I did a video. Um, it's not going to be my pick for this week, but maybe for next week because it, it's not out yet. It's like Friday, I think it'll run. Right. Where I showed something I talked about here previously, how I created a external SSD drive, taking mm-hmm. one of those M.2 um, SSDs and right. putting it in an enclosure. And the enclosure was like 20 bucks and the, and the drive was like $40. It was only a 256 gig one. Ah, okay. And I, I created an external USB 3.1 uh, drive and I used it to boot Big Sur on my MacBook Pro so the MacBook Pro could stay Catalina Oh, so, so that it was running off of that SSD? Yeah, running off the SSD. And I didn't expect it to be as fast as it was because it was USB 3.1, <laughs> right. not, um, not the uh, you know, Thunderbolt speeds. Right. Well, the interesting thing was is it's those damn speed numbers, right? Is it megabits per second, megabytes per second, gigabits per second? Or, you know, everybody uses something different. You know, and it, I don't know why they can't standardize. So the drive itself was 2100, and I could have sworn it was 2100 megabits per second, right? Mm-hmm. And the enclosure claimed to be all the way up to USB 3.1 speed, so 10 gigabits per second. Okay. And USB itself is limited to 10 gigabits per second. So I thought, well, the bottleneck is the drive which is 2,100 megabits per second, which will make it, you know, that kind of speed, and it will be much slower than, say, you know, the internal drive. Right. Well, it turns out, when I looked at it again, even though I swear it was a lowercase b, it's a capital <laughs> B, and it's megabytes per second, uh, which makes cool. it eight times faster. Right. And, when, and so it should be able to get almost up to the full uh, USB 3.1 speeds. And sure enough, when I tested it, I didn't expect it to actually be there, but I did find it was at seven megabits per second. So the drive test using, uh, oh, whose was I using? It was, oh, I think Blackmagic has a free drive test uh, mm-hmm. uh, app you can get. Um, and seven megabits per second, or gigabits per second, close to the full, you know, 10 right, that right, right. USB 3 and, and very much in league with the internal drive, definitely slower than it, yep. but not by any level of magnitude on the same level of magnitude, just maybe about 30% slower than the internal drive. It was impressive. So that's why Big Sur runs so well off of that disc. And now I, I have changed my ways in terms of thinking that USB 3.1 is a poor substitute for Thunderbolt three right um no it's actually a decent it's pretty cool runner up yep. to thunderbolt three so it's funny because what i've done as i as you just heard that, that if anything my existing desktop machine is slightly constrained in terms of internal disk space it has only yeah. one terabyte right yeah um which is just interesting to to put in that context only <laughs> only a only. terabyte but what that means though is since i have these multiple virtual machines like i was talking about earlier i actually have virtual machines not only for windows 10 but i've actually got a virtual machine for windows 10 home windows 10 pro windows 8 windows 7 windows xp um, you know those you know I've, I've got multiples of those and i literally just don't have room for all of them on the internal ssd so i actually have uh, my less frequently used virtual machines on that six terabyte external on a USB three. And they, they, yes, they are slower there. There's no question, but um, they are not in any way, shape or form excruciatingly slower. They are just fine. They work really, really Mm -hmm. well. And if I were stuck with that, I'd be very, very happy anyway. I'll probably end up moving them to the internal drive just to see if they, if they end up um, speeding up some, but um, I was very pleasantly surprised with the responsiveness of the virtual machines, even though they were stored and are running across a USB 3.0 interface. So very cool stuff. Um, yep. So yeah, I've, I've got, I have 10 terabytes of disk space arriving on Friday. Uh, it's and what, what I, um, the other thing that was kind of interesting about it was the pricing. Like I said, the eight terabyte internal uh, is like 150 bucks, which is just insane for the amount of disk space you're getting. How long ago would it have been that like an organization, say like the NSA 
would have said, we have 10 terabytes of disk space arriving yes. on Thursday. You know, yes. it's like 20 years ago, they would have said that. Yes, that's what we're, we're getting. It's a ma- the trucks will be pulling yeah. up in a convoy <laughs> with our 10 terabytes of disk space on Thursday. And we'll be installing them in our new series of buildings that we have uh, built at great expense. Right. The house uh, the 10 terabytes. <laughs> and, and mine will be showing up on the doorstep in an Amazon envelope or something. In an envelope. Yeah, yeah. what do you even be in a box? It'll be a little bubble wrap envelope. Added envelopes. Um, the, um, the, so the, the eight terabyte internal hard drive, the traditional hard drive is like 150 bucks. The two terabyte SSD, which is actually a crucial uh, SSD, although I'm getting it through Amazon, is like 350. So it's like twice or three times the price for one quarter of the space. But that's just the state of SSDs right now. I keep waiting. I keep. I kept looking for and hoping for um, a four terabyte or an eight terabyte SSD, and I'm I'm mm. kind of reserving that third SSD slot, the third M.2 slot for whenever that might happen. For, but for it, yeah, I'm looking you know, looking forward to that. And in kind of a related way, um, somebody had to send me about 70 gigs of um, stuff this last week, and mm-hmm. they had a slow internet connection. So they instead put it on a 128 gig micro SD card, right? <laughs> which are the t- which are the tiny things like smaller than your thumbnail uh-huh. um, that you know go inside of the SSD card enclosure that yes. then you know goes. In. And they they actually taped it to yep. a business card, stuck it in a regular envelope, put one stamp on it. I got it two days later. I loaded all the stuff off of it and sent it back to them. And I was thinking that's just an incredible value there in terms of like data transport the only the only thing i wish i would have done is when i sent it back you know the files were just sitting there i i I didn't need i could have wiped it and sent it back but instead i just sent it back as it was but i thought i should just encrypt it but then call the the encryption like area 51 you know video footage (laughs) dot zip and you know or dot gtar or something like that and you know just nonsense just you know stuff in there and then if somebody would have intercepted it on the way, they they couldn't have decrypted it because there wouldn't be, be actual any valid data inside of it. And they'd be like, "What is this? What what is this thing?" It's interesting so. that, that you mentioned that because I actually have an individual right now who is attempting to uh, place something like a terabyte of photographs into Dropbox. And in fact, that's it's the mm. the the, uh, the instigating uh, event for my reviewing how I'm going to put my Dropbox on my machine. So. Uh, she's trying to get me a terabyte worth of photos, and she has. Uh, it was apparently it's a reasonable internet connection, but uh, I got an email from her this morning that said she, you know she was having some. It flaked out a few times during a transfer. Sure, throttling. And now that I yeah. now that I think about it, you know, an SD card and a postage stamp could solve a lot of problems. <laughs> right, <laughs> really good. I, I, I think it was because I I didn't realize he had a uh, micro SD card ready to go. I was just going to send him one right. complete with a USB adapter. Right. Oh Making sure. That, well, yeah. if you don't have, you know, you might not have that. And, it, and I think it was like twelve dollars or something. Right. Like with Amazon Prime, the shipping would have been free. I, I, it wouldn't have been even worth it for me to actually find one and mail it. I would have just ordered it on Amazon directly to that person, That's and then funny. have them send it back to me. You know. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And yeah, throttling. I think you know because these ISPs, I, you know, I really do. I you know, I see. You start transferring something like a terabyte of data to Dropbox or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, it's going. It's going good. Okay, okay, two hours. Not bad for a terabyte or whatever. And then, you, and then the time just doesn't get any less. It just grows, you know, right. as, as they kind of like throttle you back um, as you're uploading stuff. And, I suspect uh, a lot of it depends on the specific ISP and oh, potentially um, even the, uh, the the class, I guess, of internet connection you pay for. Yep. Uh, you know, I pay too much, but it's a business class. It's a, it's it's actually through um, the ISP's business small business division, which means you know I get better service um, in terms of of technical support. Uh, but I believe then that I also end up with fewer of these kind of restrictions or odd behaviors or whatever, and. Um, yeah, so far I've been really, really happy with it. But like I said, you end up paying a lot more than the average consumer would, which I can justify because I run my business from here. But sure. Oh, were, yeah. If this were just me at home streaming Netflix, it would be a completely different story. And, and that actually goes loops all the way back around to buying these expensive Mac Pros in the first place. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I would, if I was just a home user, I would never consider oh, getting a Mac Pro at that price. It's just that that's what I'm. That's what I do. I sit at yep. this computer all day long, all day after day. day. I produce. <laughs> I produce apps for the App Store. I develop and maintain websites, and I produce all this video for MacMost and maintain all of that stuff, including all the courses and everything like that. Um, it's actually cheap. Uh, you know, I, I said the price for that original Mac Pro was like four thousand some. Right. So month for month, it was sixty seven dollars a month. That's okay. what it ended up costing sure. me. Sure. Now my internet bill, way higher than that. Yep. <laughs> I uh, you know, other expenses. If I had an office and I have many times in the past, right. would, that would have been a thousand dollars a month at least. Right. Um, and other things like, you know, my health insurance, even my mobile phone bill, all of that, way more. So the workhorse, the center of my entire business right. was only $67 a month and all these other things cost so much more. Yeah. So yeah, it, 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 it doesn't seem to be a bargain if that's not your primary tool. Just like you know, somebody who drives a, a truck for a living spends a lot more on their truck. Oh yeah. We're talking about the big rig than yep, you yep. do on your car that sits in your garage yep. uh, or you know, something like that. So yeah. So speaking of, uh, Google just announced, well, they've kind of been hinting at it and skirting around the edges of it, but they finally formally announced the Pixel 4a um, and it's available for ordering. They also announced the Pixel 5, at least what that's going to be, but the Pixel 4a is actually open or available for ordering right now. And um, I have one on order. I think I mentioned this probably in previous episodes, but my wife is running my old hand-me-down Samsung, I think it's a, a, a Galaxy S3 or something like that. So, mm. um, but, and it's hurting. It's, it's, it's tired. <laughs> it's a, you don't think of electronics as getting tired, but it's tired. And it's <laughs> one of those situations where I knew that the 4A was coming and coming soon, and it just sort of seemed like the right phone for her. And it seemed, you know, it it's, it's, doesn't have all the bells and whistles of the full four that I've got. It doesn't have um, all the fancy, you know, hoo-hahs that the, the five is going to have in a few more months. Uh, it really is a quote-unquote budget phone. And I looked at it, and it's like a $350 phone. Um, it actually, you get a phone for the same price as my two terabytes of SSD. Hmm. The, um, uh, whereas the four, uh, the one that I have, is the more traditional you know, $1,000 uh, smartphone. Uh, so for $350, given my wife's usage, which is co certainly compared to what I do, minimal, right? She, she basically uh, does a, a few things on the phone, kind of like we described her doing a few things on the, uh, the, the Chromebook that she now has. Uh, but she needs it to be good and look good and work good. And, and the Pixel uh, 4a should be that. So I'm looking forward to that. That's something else that uh, we pulled the trigger on this afternoon or yesterday, I think it was. And it should, uh, the, technically, I guess they're pre-orders, but we should have that in hand by the end of the month. And we're actually looking forward to, uh, to upgrading her phone because, like I said, it's just, it's just tired, it's slow, and it, it acts up, and the battery drains too quickly, and, you know, all the, the usual litany of things that are um, signs of uh, time for replacement. So we're looking forward to that. That should come up soon. Cool. Excellent. So, I yeah. missed it. I missed it, dang it. I was wrapped up in, uh, well, actually, what you just described. I was sitting at my computer, uh, writing content, recording videos, doing something, and all of a sudden, I realized, oh, crap, I missed the splashdown. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, it was 11.30 our time, and I don't think I noticed until about quarter after 12. Uh, and so I immediately, immediately went over to the live stream and they had already picked up the capsule and it was in the boat, but they hadn't yet opened it up. Yeah, they sat there for a while. It, it was interesting. Um, you know, first of all, it, it splashed down off the coast of Pensacola, Florida in the Gulf. Right. Which is interesting because, you know, the original splashdowns, they were in the middle of the Pacific, you know, give them a huge target where there's no land anywhere nearby. Right. Um, and here they had a, a pretty precise splashdown, whereas, you know, I don't know how many miles they were from Pensacola, but, you know, they 
they were pretty uh, probably way closer than the uh, Mercury, Gemini, or Apollo yes. uh, capsules would have dared splash down. So they had a lot more control over it. Um, also, the and the speedboats, the first boats to get there. I mean, were there within minutes. I mean, so they, I mean, they splashed down, and these boats, you know, uh, went right over to it, yep. which was really fascinating. But also, of course. Other boats got there too. I heard about that. Yeah, that was really annoying because then, you know, first, you know, it's fuzzy video because the camera was actually on the the large boat, the one that was going to pick them up. Right. So they had the camera with a you know telephoto lens and some sort of really awesome stabilizers because you have a this thing underway and it's perfectly centered on the capsule in the distance. I'm like, how is that on a boat? I mean, it should be bobbing up and down. Anyway, and on these other boats appeared and. Yes, they had to clear them out. Uh, that was really surprising that these boats were able to get so close to a capsule that it just landed from space. Right. Um, and yeah, it was neat. I mean, it was great to see that they uh, that everything went off without a hitch. I mean, there was a. I guess they were worried about the something that uh, some sort of sniffers were detecting on the outside. Yeah, that's that's what I ended up spending most of my time watching. For yeah, no there was a lot of reason. that. Yeah, I gather it was like a. It wasn't a very serious thing. It was just right. like, well, we're supposed to. It's supposed to be down below this level, and it's not. So yeah. let's just follow and protocol. My my guess, my understanding is that I mean, the the capsule does have you know some number of rockets on it that it yeah. uses when it's maneuvering in in preparation for um, its descent, and those things have fuel. And yeah. you know, yeah, there was probably some some residual fuel or some leak or something that they needed to. And as I understand it, I forget the term that they used, purge. That's what they were calling it, a purge. Yeah. And I'm wondering if what they were really doing is just sort of saying, you know what? Let's just empty the tanks. Let's get all this stuff off of here so that we know it's not. Sure. Uh, sure. So it's not a problem. Well, it was great. I heard they made some crank phone calls uh, while they were waiting. <laughs> What? Uh, so while they were sitting, so par- this was a story. Apparently, they have so they have a satellite phone in there as a backup, emergency backup, I guess. You know, right. when they're coming down. So it's a regular satellite phone, like one you and I could buy. Right. Typical, typical uh, SpaceX slash Tesla kind of thing, right? Just buy a somebody went and bought something at Best Buy and stuck it in there. <laughs> here's a satellite. <laughs> here's a satellite phone, just just in case, you know. So they had the satellite phone and they were sitting there. I don't know if they were on the ship yet or they were waiting for them to come over, right. but they had nothing to do. As soon as they splash down, they're done. The next thing that happens to them is somebody pulls them out. So they actually fired up the satellite phone, not knowing they wouldn't need it anymore because they obviously are surrounded by right. the people well. taking care of them. And they said made a few crank calls. Oh, that's hilarious. So I'm guessing that it wasn't so much crank like dialing random numbers, but they may have just called a few friends. I wonder if they have said, like Elon's number. You know, just give him a call. That's well, they, they, when they said this, I think they were at the press conference with Elon. So I don't know. So I don't know. But anyway, that, that was a story that went out today that was kind of neat. Um, and uh, yeah, it was good. And then at the same time, we had, you know, this is a good week for American space program because yeah. we had the new Mars mission, uh, Perseverance, that went up. So I heard something, and I couldn't find it in preparation for today's show. Yeah. Um, I heard something about it having gone into safe mode, but it wasn't really oh. a big deal and that it would, you know, it was, everything was fine. Uh, but then I can't find anything about it uh, since. So uh, I'm not sure if it was just the moral equivalent of the computer needed to reboot or something on the way up. Uh, it said it, it went into safe mode, but it's back. So okay. it was only... Um, it was only a temporary thing. So, yeah, I mean, this is really cool because it's going to land a whole bunch of gadgets mm-hmm. there, including a drone. I love that. That'll, that'll fly, a <laughs> rover that's going to move around. And if all goes well, it will gather samples and launch, I assume, part of itself back at the Earth. Right. And we're going to get, like, the re- you know, real deal fresh new Martian rocks and soil and stuff here on Mars, Earth. Mars dirt. Mars stuff, yeah. Instead of relying on like meteors that we are pretty sure came from Mars uh, a long time ago, uh, we'll actually get some. So that's kind of neat. But, you know, it, this thing is going to be taking so many pictures and doing so many things and measurements right. and sending them back uh, as soon as it gets there, which is only six months from now. It's going to be a nice constant stream of scientific data and pictures and interesting things um 
for us space geeks to geek out on. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it you know, once again, more, more. It's interesting because each time you know something lands out there, um, and this is true. Actually, was this was true for the moon at the time as well. You know, each time something lands on there, you get these great pictures, and they're cool, and they're awesome, mm. and they're ooh, look at that. And then the next one comes up, and the pictures are higher resolution, and the pictures yeah. are in color. And then there's a bunch of them, and then there's some video. I mean, so I'm really looking forward, given how much we've already seen from the other uh, rovers. It'll just be really interesting to see the uh, the hoped for uh, improvement in quantity and quality of uh, of data. Yep. So yeah, good good week for for U.S. space stuff. So you have been watching cartoons. Yeah, which surprises me. Uh, <laughs> this falls under our "ain't it cool" thing because right. um, yeah. So uh, my TV watching has slowed down dramatically because baseball is back. But um, um, I was uh, I was I finished a show or movie I think. I had like 10 minutes left and uh, I was on in HBO max mm-hmm. and I noticed a show there that just rung a bell in my head. Um, I, it was Harley Quinn, the cartoon Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, why, what, what am I remembering from that? And I remember, Oh, this is Kaylee Cuoco from Kaylee big Cuoco. bang theory. Yep. She plays, she does the voice for Harley Quinn. So I, I mean, it was literally like a, I, I'm done watching TV, but I need to do a couple things on my laptop here before I go upstairs. Hmm. So I, I was just one click, press the button. Yeah, play the first episode. So Four the, hours the screen, later. Yep. The screen is not doing anything. <laughs> well, it, you know, 10 minutes, it, I think five minutes in, I just put the laptop down. <laughs> and I was just like, oh. And, and then I watched the whole first episode and then I've been you know, binging through the episodes a couple of days since then. Um, it's basically Saturday morning cartoon style animation. But, but this is with not the, Saturday morning no, cartoon. <laughs> it's, it's an adult cartoon, you know, adult language, and, and a uh, and heavy, heavy dose of self-realization. Sure. Like, the, the, you know, it constantly pokes fun at the fact that supervillains always seem to be escaping from jail. Right. They have layers that are really obvious, um, that they can get away with huge, heinous crimes, but they can't say the C word. <laughs> right. <laughs> which is an entire episode. You know, th- th- things like that. So, you know, it's a lot of that stuff, a lot of asides and, you know, stuff to just really make you smile as an adult watching. Yeah, you know, I, I, I really do feel, I mean, obviously, uh, uh, I have already seen both the first and second seasons. Oh, okay. Um, and and just ate them up. Um, I've you know I've been a Kaylee Cuoco fan for a while, but um, it's one of those things where I just the, the Harley Quinn uh, shows have been just a lot of fun. I just enjoy. Oh them. yeah. The anyway, um, I really feel though that we need to throw out this huge disclaimer because yes, it's a cartoon. It is not for your kids. No, it's not um, for kids. The language runs free. It really does. Um, it, it's all situation appropriate. I mean, it all makes it, it's it's all situ- things that that work and work well uh, for the show. But I don't think most of us are used to seeing our superheroes or our supervillains actually cursing. Uh, and this is a case where not only do they, but they do so freely. There's a um, a clip. So this was the this was originally released on the uh, DC comic right. books streaming service and then was made available on the sci-fi channel i think six months or maybe 12 months later oh okay uh, i didn't know same, yep same for the second season um and now as you point out it's on hbo max i guess mm-hmm. um on the sci-fi version which is what i watched because i wasn't going to sign up for uh, uh dc the commercials they occasionally would have some you know behind the scenes things but you know, mm-hmm. at, at, during commercial breaks. And one of them was uh, Kaylee Kuoko saying something to the effect of that, yeah, this was so much fun. It was great therapy. She just comes into a, a recording studio and yells at a microphone for half an hour. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a lot of fun and, and uh, quite, quite enjoyable. Uh, uh, we, when, as I think our, our listener knows, we have a, uh, uh, a document that we share notes on uh, when we're preparing for the show and even during the show. And as soon as I saw the uh, 
the link that Gary put in here. I immediately went out and threw a bunch of thumbs up on it because I really enjoyed it. Yep. <laughs> the, um, the thing that I'm going to throw out for Ain't It Cool today is actually a, an interview that I just listened to this morning. It was kind of a surprise. Um, Stefan Pastis, he is the cartoonist behind um, uh, yeah, Pearls Before Swine. That's what it was. Is that it? Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's the uh, Pearls Before Swine cartoon comic strip, actually. And right. it publishes daily in your newspapers and, and so forth. Ah, and, yes, yes. And definitely. he's on Facebook and publishes a lot of stuff there. Uh, the thing that I found fascinating, it's, it's like a, a half an hour, 45-minute interview. Uh, and he talks about uh, you know, meeting Charles Schultz and, you know, the impact that that had on some of what he was doing. And, but I think that the more interesting aspects of the, uh, the interview are the fact that what we're dealing with right now uh, is so timely. It's really interesting to deal with from a cartoonist's point of view or a comic strip's point of view. What I did not realize, and he pointed out, is that when you syndicate to these large uh, syndication firms that send it out to all the newspapers around the country, they have incredible lead times. Um, mm. As in, you know, like a month and a half for the daily and maybe a couple of months for the Sunday episode, you know, for the Sunday strip, which in today's world means that, you know, you're, you're writing a comic strip for something that you have no idea what the world is even going to look like in a month, right? Right. Uh, and yet, he has been producing things that have been incredibly timely and incredibly touching in many ways and basically just spot on between, between the politics and between the, the pandemic and everything. It's one of those uh, comic strips that I really, really enjoy seeing uh, every time I run across it. And yeah, I subscribe to, you know, comics.com where I think you can get it every day and it shows up on my Facebook feed and so forth. But what he had to do to make that happen is uh, actually he ended up talking to his syndicate and say, hey, you know, such and such is the case. I mean, timely doesn't work with these kind of lead times. So as I understand it, what he's doing is he actually does have his, you know, months worth of work in the pipeline. But... And I may have misheard or misunderstood what he said, but apparently he has access to the server where the strips are stored. And like the day before something gets published, he can kind of sneak in and replace tomorrow's strip, which I, which I thought was, was brilliant. Uh, and that they, you know, trust him to go ahead and do that. But uh, it's, it's worked out really, really well for him. So I've got, we'll have the link, we've got the link to the, uh, to the uh, podcast episode on Spotify. It's actually a San Francisco Chronicle uh, podcast. So if you can't get it through Spotify, you should be able to get it through the San Francisco newspaper because he's a, um, a Nora, Northern California resident, which is how he came up there. But uh, we'll actually have the link to the, uh, to the uh, Spotify podcast episode and enjoy it. It's, it's actually a really interesting listen. Cool. Uh, yeah. For our blatant self-promotion, um, you know, PDFs, uh, people, PDFs have really replaced paper. A lot for a lot of people oh, yeah. that use them, and uh, I'm often hit with the question when somebody says, "I need to send out a PDF, but it needs to have like a chart from my spreadsheet in a word processing document, or I need to include these photos, or you know whatever." And they're often trying to stuff one thing into another so they can export a PDF out. Um, and my response is always, you don't need to actually create one document to make a PDF. You could have different documents, in different apps and export them all as PDFs in various different ways and combine them and basically build your document, uh, from different pages. And so I have a video this week that shows how to do that on a Mac. Cool. What tool do you use to do that? Uh, it's just the Mac's preview, preview? tool. Okay, yep. cool. Um, it's interesting because I, I have kind of the reverse problem. I have both problems, actually, uh, especially come tax time. Uh, I get, of course, all of my tax statements in PDF form as much as I can. Uh -huh. And my accountant very much prefers that I send him one PDF instead of a dozen. Fine, we can solve that problem. Uh, in my case, I solve it using Acrobat, but that's because I'm on a PC and I've got the Adobe Cloud subscription. Maybe there are other tools that will let me combine uh, PDFs. I just haven't looked into it, but Acrobat is what I end up using. 
Anyway, his other comment, though, is that, you know those pages of instructions? I don't need those. In fact, I don't want those. So mm. not only do I end up having to combine all of these documents into a single document, I then have to walk through the document and remove individual pages that are not actual content that we care about. Mm. Yes. And, um, uh, again, that's an, that's an easy one to do in Acrobat. But uh, I just thought that was uh, interesting. My, my accountant has some interesting thoughts on what to do, how to deal with PDFs. And Okay, I will make your life easy. You save me money. <laughs> I will make your life easy. It's a good sure. deal. It's a good trade. Sure, uh, yeah. My self-promotion this week is one that uh, just published a couple of days ago. It's getting a fair amount of traction. It's what if I lose my second factor? One of the things that uh, people like Gary and myself and many security professionals are always harping on is, you know what? The best way to secure your online account is to throw two-factor authentication on it. It really is one of those things that can prevent a disaster. Uh, if Even if somebody has your password, they still can't log in because they don't have your second factor. But of course, the, uh, the, the objection that we often get from people is, great, what if I lose my second factor? Well, there's two problems with that. The one that spurred the question was uh, somebody wondering if that meant that somebody could then get in with that second factor. And of course, the answer is no, because it's two-factor authentication. There are two factors required. If he has your second factor, he only has your second factor, and he doesn't have your password. So again, he still can't get in. But the more common question is, great, what if I lose my second factor? Then I can't get in. Uh, yes, you can. Uh, if if two-factor was set up properly, if you were encouraged or even required to do all the right things on the way through, uh, you still have ways to get into your account if you're the rightful account owner. Maybe a couple of additional hoops to jump through, but it is still quite possible to uh, uh, to get back into your account and reestablish an appropriate two-factor authentication uh, replacement or whatever. Anyway, that's what the article goes over, is what you need to do cool. if you lose your second factor. And I really, I mean, I, it's, it's one of those things that's so important. I really don't want people's unfounded fear to prevent them from uh, establishing two-factor authentication and, and really securing their accounts because account theft is so rampant these days. Yep, exactly. Cool. So I think that'll pretty much do us for this week. Yeah, feels good. Um, up. We are, let's see, the show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh108. If you've got a comment or a question for us, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at The TEH Podcast. And as always, you can leave a comment on the show notes page. We really appreciate all the feedback and comments that we hear from people, regardless of the mechanism you use. Thanks, as always, for listening, and we will see you here again next week. Take care, everyone. Bye.